is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. What a joy, what a privilege it is to speak to you on this special day, Easter Sunday. It's a joy to speak to you about our Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that he's risen from the dead. We're going to celebrate this morning, aren't we? And we're celebrating lots of things this morning. And Graham does this thing. He's calling my in-laws out and saying, celebrate your anniversary. It's Graham's birthday today, everybody. Give him a round of applause. Happy birthday, Graham. Happy birthday. Oh, okay. (laughs) You could have that, Graham, of course. Dear Graham. (laughs) There you go. Uh, So there you go. Um, My name is Sundeep, not Sandeep today. My parents are here. We're Sundeep today. We're Sundeep. Um, And young people, you are in today. Rooted, you are in, because I'm preaching, really. And there's material, and here's the material. Here we go. Um, And when Graham asked if I could give this Easter message... At Jubilee, I was really humbled and honored, to be honest, and very nervous as well. It's a pretty big Sunday, Graham. Are you sure? But then I realized as I was preparing and, and listening and, you know, writing and thinking that actually it's a great preach for me to do. Because I can just be myself. I can just be really loud, energetic, really joyful, and I'm hoping for a celebratory atmosphere this morning. I'm going to speak for 30 minutes. I want clapping. I want hollering. I want heckling. I want all sorts of joyful noise today because some of us know what the ending of the passage I'm going to be speaking to you about. Some of us know that Jesus is alive today. So I want this celebratory atmosphere this morning. And come on, we're called Jubilee, aren't we? Let's party today. So my first question to you, speaking of parties, is what is the best party that you've ever been to? Can you think of any party in your mind? What's the best party that you can think of? I know we've got some party animals in this room. Claire Gorgon, Claire Gorgon, I remember. Welcome. Uh, so we've got some party animals in this room. Is there, what is the reason for that party that you went to? That's the best party that you've been to. What's the reason for that? My example, my brother's wedding. Five years ago or so, my brother's wedding, my family just took over Kent to be honest. We just took it all over. There was dancing, there was laughter, there was joy, there was food, a little bit of champagne. There was all sorts going on. And for me, I had a great time because I was the best man. There was no pressure on me whatsoever. I could just have lots of fun and shout and be joy. But at the core of it was a celebration because my brother, a guy I love, was getting married to the woman he loves. That's amazing. And you know, we have that. A party works when the cause for the celebration, everyone is united by. Everyone's there for. That's how a party works. You know, you're elated, you're excited. The party works well when everyone is excited for the reason of the party. And church, we have a reason to celebrate this morning. That goes beyond any birthday, that goes beyond any anniversary, that goes beyond any sort of baby arrival. We have a party celebrating today because Jesus is alive. They thought he was dead, church. He's alive. Um, So yes, that's my intro. Uh, Next. 
So if you're new or a guest this morning, it is a joy to have you. Whether you're here because Uncle Sandeep is speaking, hello Avery, yay, or, or not, it is a joy, it really is a joy to have you. As a church, a community of believers, we've been on this journey for the book of Mark. Each week we've been having a series of talks on the book of Mark. Mark is one of the four gospels covering the life and times of Jesus Christ, the most famous person in all of history. And it's the shortest of these four Gospels, and it's been a really fast-paced, action, event-to-event book, um, and it has 16 chapters. And if you've not read it before, I really recommend that you do. This book has shown us who Jesus really is, as he teaches, as he lives, as he performs miracles. He leads his group of followers around. He proclaims that he's the Son of God, and he's saying that he's going to die for us, for us to be saved. And if you've not joined us before at Jubilee, if you've not been there for the past couple of weeks, we have been following Jesus on his journey to the cross. So we've arrived, everyone, at the end of the book of Mark. Or near the end. The end of the book of Mark. So just before I start, I just want to well, continue. I just want to thank everyone who's been teaching us through the book of Mark. Every preacher, every speaker who's been guiding us through the book of Mark. It's been a fantastic series for us to go through. Thank you for the leadership team for sorting that out, organizing and everything. So, you know, we've been really blessed by it, so thank you. We arrive at Jesus' death, everyone. And last week, we heard from the exceptionally gifted Lucy Bradley, who I think that she's not around today, she must be visiting family, but she reminded us of why Jesus had to die. She reminded us of what sin is, that it's a revolt or a rebellion against God. Sin is wrong things that we think we say or do that's not right by God the fact that stuff that we know is right isn't right the fact is God is a just and fair God and he cannot let that sin go unpunished so Jesus God's son took that punishment for our sin in our place by being on the cross for us we're saved from something church from a punishment that we deserved and Jesus did that by being crucified and being on the cross for us. And this morning, we're going to be looking at Mark 15, 33 to Mark 16, verse 8, as we look at the confirmation of Jesus' death, the burial of Jesus, and finally, his resurrection. Come on. And first, we're going to look at the confirmation of Jesus' death. So if you want to get your Bibles out to Mark 15, 33 to 41, I think we should have it behind on the projector as well. Um, so I'll give you, uh, while I grab some water. Okay, I'm just going to read that now from Mark 15, 33 to 41. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama, Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with white vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom 
And when the centurion who'd stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Church, the hero of the story that we've been looking at for the past couple of weeks, the Son of God has died. The Messiah that we followed in this book, seen his journey, seen his life, has become a corpse. No other religion has that. No other way of believing has a God dying. What is that? <laughs> He's been killed in the worst possible way imaginable. We may be so used to this story, whether you've heard it since you were a kid, whether you've heard it many, many times throughout your life, I want, to, I want to emphasize again that this may be what we should have expected by hearing what Jesus is saying in Mark, but it should, should still be a surprise to us. The brutality of Jesus' murder and the details of it should be overwhelming. God has been flogged. He's been mocked. He's been given a crown of thorns. <laughs> He's been stripped. He's been through an unfair trial. He's been beaten. He's been humiliated. Not only that, he's been emotionally drained. He's been stressed to the point of bleeding. He's been betrayed. He's been hurt. It was a brutal, brutal way to die. God has done this? What is going on here? Mark is telling his readers that Jesus suffered the worst kind of death. And church, we must not lose our sense of surprise at this. Creation itself, it says, is reacting in horror at the scene, causing darkness in Jerusalem between noon and three o'clock. This is no solar eclipse. This is, no, this is a supernatural darkness. The cosmos itself is crying in mourning for what's going on. There's derision as the one standing near Jesus. I'm making fun of him right till the end. It's a sorrow sight, complete desolation, hope is lost. Why did Jesus go through with this? Why did God allow his son to go through with this? Well, because God takes sin seriously. There's sin like a, what he said is things that we say, think, or do that we know isn't right, that doesn't please God. God being a just and fair God cannot let that sin go unpunished. Because God is holy and pure, he can't tolerate sin. So instead of that punishment being on us, he sent his perfect son, who never sinned, never did anything wrong, and put that sin on him. The sin that we deserved, he put him on his own son. His own son? Now, I was preparing for this preach, and I was listening to YouTube, and I don't know how you preachers did it back in the 90s before YouTube, honestly. The amount of research I've got from it is great. Um, anyway, um, good old YouTube. I was listening to this one guy called Jesse Campbell, this guy in America, and he said he found a new depth of understanding on the cross and the father's sacrifices of his own son when Jesse Campbell's son died. Oh, that blew me away. 
that blew me away. That mucked me up for an afternoon. I was wandering around the house thinking, gosh, son died, yes. Imagine if it was my child who was dying. And, you know, I'm not a father yet, but I will soon be, praise the Lord. But even now, I cannot comprehend the depth of love God had for his people to give up his own son, not just his own son, but literally a part of himself, a piece of him, a piece of who he is for us. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants us to know him. I'm going to be talking a lot about belief today, whether you believe things that you've heard many times or whether you're believing something that you've heard for the first time. And I'm going to be asking you a lot of direct questions, so I apologize <laughs> on that behalf. But you know, I'm going to ask you whether you believed in something that happened 2,000-odd years ago or not, whether you've heard this many times. Have you ever thought, do I actually believe that this happened? Do I believe that 2,000-odd years ago the Son of God died? Do you believe there's such a thing as sin or consequences, as Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is death? Do you believe that God sent his Son to take your punishment for you. I want that in your mind. I want you that to reflect on that as I continue to speak. So Jesus is dying. All hope looks lost. And he says his last words, a surprising cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's such an important sentence that Marco tells us the translation in Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Now, we've seen in our journey through Mark that Jesus has been fulfilling Old Testament prophecies left and right. And even then, on the cross, at the very end of the word that Jesus uses, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's harking back to the beginning of Psalm 22. A psalm, a song written by Jesus' descended David, which is telling of a savior that should be despised that will be surrounded by his enemies, that will be pierced through his hands and feet, a savior who the ends of the earth will remember. Jesus knew his journey was complete. He had done it. It was finished. He had drunk every drop of God's judgment from us to us on himself. It is done. Because of Jesus taking on our sin and our shame, our punishment, we can now get to know God in full. Amen. You responded. That was good. <laughs> I like that. Um, Mark moves on to some surprising reactions, some surprising responses to this sacrifice we can see. Firstly, in verse 38, the response in the temple as Jesus died the courtyard of worshippers in that temple must have been wondering, what is going on? <laughs> they've seen this thick curtain that they've had from history separating themselves from the inner sanction, from the inner temple, temple where God has uh, you know, historically resided, split into two. The curtain separating the inner temple from the outside world wasn't just torn lightly. That can't be repaired you know, by my mother-in-law with a sewing thing. It's not, not going to happen. <laughs> it's split from top to bottom, signifying our access to God's inner sanctum, our access to God's holy of holies, our access to being a citizen of heaven. Thank you, Lord. The barrier between us and God 
has gone. Because of the cross, we can enter into God's presence. Secondly, a response from this centurion. A response of what? A response of belief. A soldier who had stripped Jesus down, who had beaten Jesus, who you know, we assume was in charge of what was going on there. He was in charge of murdering Jesus. This is a, a man who was at the forefront of what was going on. Someone who is against Jesus in every possible way. And the definition of being far away from Jesus was this man. We can assume this centurion has seen a lot of people die. We can assume this centurion has seen a lot of people be crucified in this way. But after centurion reviewing this sight, this scene, the magnitude of what was going on, he only had one reaction, and that was to believe. That was to say, surely this man was the son of God. As we move on to the next part of the passage, after hearing how Jesus died, maybe for the first time this morning, or for the hundredth time, or for the thousandth time, I don't know, and why he died, and why he died for you, and the magnitude of his death, has something in your heart happened? Has something stirred in you? Does the, does the story of the centurion resonate with you? You may feel you're so far away from God, but looking at the scene, all you can say is, surely this guy's the son of God. Surely. I'm asking you, do you believe? You may be far away from Jesus than anyone thought possible. And you may have just seen or heard awful things in your life. You may be hearing that sense for the first time. And Jesus is saying, and something in your heart. And you know what that is? That's God saying, come. That's God saying, believe in me. No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, Jesus provokes a response. A response, in my mind, in my view, that says, surely he is the son of God. Do you believe that? So Jesus is dead. Things are hopeless. Things are bleak, lonely, lonely situation as we see people bury Jesus. And we're going to read from chapter 15, verse 42 to 47. A bit of water before I carry on. It was preparation. Oh, is it up there? Yeah, thank you, James. <laughs> I'm just carrying on, assuming. Well done. Um, it was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, remember this bit, waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Church, we see here that Joseph of Arimathea, who by all accounts was an important and wealthy man, a member of the council of the temple, went boldly and courageously, and request the corpse of Jesus. Joseph was a man, we've just seen, was waiting for the kingdom 
of God. And he'd recognized that kingdom. He recognized that truth in Jesus. He lovingly buried his dead savior in his own tomb, cut into the rocky hillside. You know, he, Joseph is searching for truth. He's searching for something. He knows something is coming. He's trying to work out what it is. And he sees that truth in Jesus. You know, while his followers and others were scattered away, Joseph was defiant and courageous and wanting to bury Jesus and give him the proper Jewish burial. Unlike the centurion who was far, far away from God, then he proclaimed that Jesus was the son of God. Mark says that Joseph, Joseph was actively searching, actively seeking. Is that you? Are you actively seeking? You know there's something going on there. You know there's some truth out there. There's something more than just you and yourself out there. You're seeking, you're searching, you're wondering, what is it? What could it be? I know there's a truth that's satisfying my soul. What is it? I'm telling you it's Jesus this morning. Unlock your searching heart. Unlock your searching heart so that Jesus can enter in this morning. I'm here to tell you the truth. Our truth is found in our Savior, Jesus. I'm asking, do you believe that? Now, church, are you ready for the celebration? Are you ready for the joy? Here we go. Best part of the passage coming up. Picture the scene. Jesus was dead. All was hopeless. All was lost. Silence throughout the three days. Now, on to chapter 16, verse 1 to verse 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Luke in another gospel says in that interaction, why are you looking among the dead? Look among the living. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. There's some phrase. The principles is correct. Uh, and she is, and Mark, Matthew, another gospel, shows us the rest of the story as Jesus suddenly met these three. Jesus met these women. And the women worshipped and praised him. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus is back. He was dead, and three days later, he was alive again as he was resurrected from the dead into new life. Hallelujah. And church, have you ever seen someone realize when someone they think is dead is actually alive? Ever seen that before in your life? No, why would you? I've not seen this in person before, but I have seen this before on YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube. 
And I don't know if you've seen this clip before. Hopefully, we're going to show it. It's a quick one-minute clip of an ex-footballer called Ian Wright, who used to play for Arsenal, meeting his favourite teacher, Mr. Pigden. See if we've got this. Mr. Pigden, he wanted to teach. And he probably wanted to teach because he wanted to find a student that he could change their lives. And it was me. I was the guy. I can't even tell you. Sometimes I think about him literally every day. He gave me some self-worth. He made me feel like I was important. I remember when I met him again, it was, it was really strange. <laughs> Hello, Ian. Long time no see. Mr. Pigman. <laughs> You're alive. I'm alive, he says. How are you doing? I can't believe it. Someone said you was dead. As you see, I'm very much in. And I'm so glad you've done so well with yourself. I don't know what to say. God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And that'll do, yeah. <laughs> Every time I see that clip, I get emotional. There's a man who thought he was dead. I knew he was dead. He was alive. Every time I think I see that clip, and there's loads of memes about it nowadays and things like that, it's great. But <laughs> Ian's sense of shock and awe of, and euphoria, what? You're alive pales into comparison of how these three women are feeling. They saw him die. They thought he was dead, he's alive. Jesus was laid in a tomb with a heavy stone being rolled to cover it, very final. No one is getting in and out. These three women wanted to honor their Lord, but were confused and how the stone was to be rolled away. Then came the biggest surprise in the Bible. An angel sitting on the right side saying to them, you're looking for a dead man. He's not dead. He's alive. I know how often you think about death. A little bit of a turn, but there you go. Death is crazy to me, very final. And I go through seasons where I think about death a bit more. Many on planes, probably to do with planes. <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because Dad calls me up before he goes to India. I said, son, have you got the will? I'm like, Dad, why are you telling me this? Are you feeling this fear of planes in me? But anyway. <laughs> <it's>, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, think, I think we all think about death from time to time, don't we? And some more than others. But the concept of death can be very overwhelming. And, you know, death is final. That's it. No one can defeat death. You know, when we know that someone has died, that's it. Game. It's done. You know, I've not talked about the devil yet, but the devil is here to disrupt this plan of us getting to know God. And the devil thought on that cross, on that Good Friday, he'd won. He chucked his best weapon at Jesus, death. That was it. People, Jesus can't defeat this. He's done. God's people won't know him. Death 
And um, if death was not defeated and Jesus had died and that was the end of the story, it'd mean no hope. It'd mean no Holy Spirit would be eternally damned because we have sinned. We can't enter God's presence. If Jesus didn't die, everything would just be a waste of time, really. You know, Corinthians says, Christ has not been raised. Your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. <laughs> well, the fact is, church, the devil's worst weapon, death, could not defeat Jesus. Acts 2, verse 24 says that God, Rachel, well done. <laughs> that God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Because it was, oh no, that wasn't the one you were saying. There was a later one, that, that's one, doesn't matter. Let me read that again. Acts 2, 24 says, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible, impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I love that verse. It's that concept of death, finding that struggle, that impossibility. I can't handle this guy. I can't handle Jesus. He's too strong. He's too powerful for death. This is the God we serve. This is the God who we love. He defeats death, the devil's ultimate weapon. That's the difference between our Jesus and anyone else. Death could not hold him. Jesus didn't just stay in the grave but was raised to new life. That's the power of Jesus who is alive today. He defeated death. He is alive and with us forever. And that has eternal implications for us. That means we have hope. It means we have the Holy Spirit. That means we're forgiven. Your old self is gone. It's dead in the grave. Your new self with hope, with the Spirit, we are eternally forgiven because he is raised to new life. And so are we. Amen. We should be dead. But we're alive because our Jesus is alive. What a joy that is, that we can celebrate the victory over death, over the devil forever. There's a resurrection hope for our life. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is with us now. We have access to that. We can belong to that. We can be a citizen of that. We can have that as our identity. We've got resurrection power this morning. And forever, giving us hope, giving us life, giving our life meaning. We're forgiven from what we have done. Some of us need to hear that this morning because Jesus being alive and being raised to life means that your sins, your shame is down in that grave where Jesus was. We are forgiven from all that we've said and thought and done because his resurrection power over death means that we are set free. Come on. We can know and love Jesus forever and forever because he has defeated death and all that it represents. The tomb represents death decay, that feeling that all is lost, that feeling of sin and shame, that I'm on my own, I'm lonely, I can't handle this, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and 
we can have that period of hopelessness, especially after the past couple of years we've had. You know, Rianne had to delete the BBC News notification yesterday to me. Was it yesterday or the day before? Doesn't matter. Because there was still constant news notifications of death, of hopelessness, of division. There's no hope. This isn't good for us. But in Christ Jesus, dying for us and being raised to new life, there's joy. There's eternal celebration. There's hope because the tomb that was meant for us is what? It's empty. He is raised to new life. He's alive. He's alive. They thought he was dead. He's alive. We're alive. We're alive. We were dead, but we're alive because he's alive. We have been given a gift of grace. A punishment that we deserved, God chose to bless his people instead of curse them. For eternity, we're blessed and blessed and blessed. And all we have to do today is make a choice, make a decision. My question for you today is the most important question you're going to answer in your life. Do you believe this happened? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Because the answer to this question has eternal implications. This may be your first time in ever in church, or you know, you've been here for many years and heard this many times. I'm asking to you to really think for yourself now, do you believe this happened? And if it's no, I want you to explore that a bit further. I want you to really invest, really think, really go into it and explore that. Because once you open your heart up to Jesus, I believe, for my own personal testimony, that Jesus is going to speak to you. God's going to speak to you this morning. And I can convince you of many anecdotes about my own personal life, my own personal journey, you know, thinking that, gee, I'm not sure if my parents, my parents' faith, is this my own? But offering myself up to Jesus and saying, you know what? I'm willing to hear who you are, what you're about, and actually hearing how Jesus speak to me. I believed in him. I can also speak to you about, you know, many historians have you know, all but conveyed, unified in saying, no, Jesus existed. Jesus was real. And I can speak to you about the number of eyewitnesses of the resurrection. There's too many. So many people saw Jesus alive after he came back from life. I can also speak to you about how Jesus appeared to women. And the fact that the Gospels wrote that down, given the low status of women in those times, make things more credible. Why would they write that he appeared to women if it was a lie? Because that wouldn't be, they wouldn't think it was credible. And I can speak to you about his disciples, his group of followers, his brothers, 12 of them. You know what happened after? They were all killed and martyred, all of them killed, for proclaiming that Jesus is alive, that he was raised from dead. Why would they lie? Why would they lie? Why would they get themselves killed knowing a lie? Knowing that Jesus was, was actually not alive, but was dead. Kill me anyway. That doesn't make sense to me. Explore that a bit more. I'm not, I haven't talked about it that much. Explore that a bit more in your conversations today. But fundamentally, we need to believe for ourselves that Jesus died and that God raised him from dead and that he's now alive. The question today is, do you want to know who Jesus is? He knows us, church. 
He was there at the start of your life. He's going to be there at the end. Do you believe that he's real? Do you believe that he was risen from the dead, that he's alive? Church, he wants to know you. Romans 10, verse 9. There you go. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believe in your heart today that Jesus raised from the dead, that he is alive now. <laughs> Allow him to be in your life, giving you hope, giving you joy, giving you his grace, ruling your heart, ruling your decisions, so you can be saved from sin and shame. Because the resurrection changes everything for us. We have the biggest reason to celebrate. And that is the fact that Jesus was victorious over death. Love for us has won. Death has been defeated. Jesus is alive and we can celebrate being on his winning team. He is alive, church. Thank you. We're going to sing one song. And then afterwards I'm going to pray and we're going to give you an opportunity to make a decision and choose to believe that Jesus is alive. And as we're playing this next song, really think, really reflect on the words that we've said. Allow God to speak to you today. You know, this morning after, what a wonderful morning we've had, firstly. As you've been hearing about God's death, his resurrection, all he is, has something stirred in your heart? Has something unlocked? And you think, yes, you know what? I do believe in this. Are you like the centurion, far away from the God? Nothing to do with Jesus before. But something in your heart has stirred this morning. You want to believe. Jesus is saying, come in. You're welcome. Are you like Joseph of Arimathea? You're searching to know the truth, longing for a saviour, wondering what's going on. I know there's something missing. And this morning you found that in Jesus. Or maybe you used to believe that Jesus is Lord. Maybe you used to believe that he was dead, but he is alive now. And after hearing it again throughout this morning, something in your heart has changed again. That's God saying, come, welcome. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that choice right now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. If that's you this morning and you want to believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. What we need to do is believe. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that God was dead. He's alive again. Come on, man. So we're going to all shut our eyes. If that's you this morning, something has changed in your heart. You believe that Jesus is alive now. You want to make that choice. You want to make that decision. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up right now. That's you right now making that decision for the first time or whether again. Let 
could speak to you. If that's you, something has happened in your heart, that, you know, for the first time, I'm going to make a choice that I believe Jesus is alive. I want you to raise your hand. God knows your heart. God knows what's going on right now. Jesus is here right now. He knows. He sees. Step forward. A choice. A decision to make. Here's the thing about God. He's not going anywhere. Whether something has started in your life and you're waiting for it to continue, the good thing is God's not going anywhere. Continue to be blessed by him. To continue to let him into your life. God sees your heart. And if you put your hand up or something has moved in your heart, why don't you pray this prayer with me? It's a prayer to welcome him into your life. Or more into your life. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. I admit that I have sinned. Thank you for taking my place on the cross and forgiving me totally. I receive your grace and your gift of eternal life. I invite you into my heart and my life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, if you've prayed that prayer, whether it's for the first time, for the hundredth time, or something's happened in your heart, that you want to recommit, say, I believe again. Well, this was the first time. I believe that Jesus is Lord. Come chat to me. Chat to Graham. Point you in the right direction. We're here as a church celebrating his goodness, celebrating his victory. We've got this Why Easter booklets as well. That was you. you wanna... Oh, there you are. If you want to know more, come chat to me. Church has been so good to celebrate God's victory over death with you. We're going to sing one last song. I wonder what it is. A beat? Yeah, thought so. Have a fantastic Easter. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk and come along on any Sunday morning.